Better all those up, Swindon fans. But you're not there yet. Races it on goal and Donate! 3-0! The Amex goes wild! What a goal! And now Murray could be in. Mistake from Tompkins. What a goal from Glenn Murray. He's hardly had a touch. On he'll go. Michael Smith. Into what he shot! Hello and welcome to episode 85 of Together, a Brighton and Albion podcast. Um, boy oh boy, happy 4th of July to my American listeners. Uh, as many fireworks as November the 5th in the UK last night, good grief. Um, I have enjoyed a lovely three-day weekend, thanks to you celebrating your birthday. And I am sure, like all of you, uh, that if you had told me in this just this past January, really, um, that I'll be watching Brighton play their 33rd game of the season on the 4th of July, uh, I would think you were just insane. Just absolutely nuts. Um, but here we are, recording on the 5th, and about to discuss what is likely the game that made us fully safe this season. Um, first things first, though, uh, let's cover some news that has broke since we last spoke. Um, I honestly didn't expect to do a lot of these every time, um, because, you know, there's such short gaps, right, between games. Um, but here we are with more to discuss, so let's do it. Um, a couple of big, uh, contract additions, um, and one of them is Max Sanders. Um, Max Sanders has signed a new deal with the club, now 21 years old, uh, and was someone I thought might be on his way out actually, sooner than later after heading to AFC Wimbledon on load. Uh, made 22 appearances this season. I am not sure if that's because he just hasn't been quite good enough to be a regular mainstay or if he has had injury problems. Um, however, it does look like this preseason coming up may well be a make-or-break preseason for uh, young Max, uh, as it is confirmed he will be with the first team in preseason uh, to stake a place in Potter's Premier League setup. Um, whether he will or not, of course, remains to be seen, uh, as does his best position. Um, I believe he played for Potts last year in the preseason um, and played both right back, right midfielder and central midfielder. Um, again, not sure where he played. Key, like most of the time for AFC Wimbledon, um, I would have to try and find out. But, you know, it's interesting to see what Graham Potter will do with him. Um, because, you know, stepping up from League One to the Premier League is an awful big jump. Um, he may be a player similar to Malumbi, um, that goes out on loan in the Championship next season. If Potter isn't quite happy with what he sees and wants to give him one more year, uh, he does have two more years on his contract. Uh, so that would make sense, right? He's He now runs out on the 21-22 season at the end of that season, um, which would mean that he has next year and the year after to fulfill his potential um, and see what happens. Elsewhere, uh, Teddy Jenks, um, only a youth product, part of the under-23s, 
Um, only 18, real prospect for the future. He is a midfielder. Um, again, know very little about him um, other than, you know, the performance that he had at Villa in the Carabao Cup, uh, or rather at home. Um, but we shall see. Uh, it's always good to see promising young players sign on and continue to be with the Albion. So we shall see just what happens there. Um, and, you know, good for them. Uh, they've obviously played well enough to get themselves new contracts, and I hope they do the best with them. Only one other thing to cover, um, and that is going to be Wigan Athletic. Um, I retweeted uh, the full storyline of Wigan Athletic this week, um, just yesterday actually, on Saturday the 4th. Um, and once again, um, the English Football League has allowed a club to be essentially murdered in broad daylight um, with their own uh, eager backing. Um, it is beyond me how that organization continues to go ahead. It is not fit for purpose. It is a disgrace and it does not work in the best interests of the teams in the league. So what is it doing? Um, you know, the storyline of this Wigan athletic thing with the Hong Kong gambler taking over, Moving, moving his ownership around to his own companies, uh, questions of you know questionable betting in the Philippines and all this stuff, you know, and the EFL just just four weeks ago approved this stuff. They knew it was happening, other than the bet. I hope, um, but even that is called into question. You know, it just it is beyond me how this organization that is supposed to be essentially the parent of all of these 92 clubs, or rather 70-whatever, 78. Um, they're supposed to be protecting this this group, and they are not. They are allowing money men uh, with no real receipt on where the money come from. Uh, they're allowing crooks. They're allowing thieves. They're allowing criminals uh, to enter into our game and use these clubs that are you know, important cornerstones of whatever town, city, village they're in and use them to rinse out their dirty laundry and then piss off. And the fact that the EFL continue to allow this to happen, Bury, Bolton, Wigan, just in recent, like just within the last year, we've had three at least. And that's not including Macclesfield and a couple of other teams that have been questionably dealt with too. How can this continue? I, I, it is just beyond me that nobody is holding this company accountable, this group of people accountable. Um, it's just a disgrace, and it just disgusts me that this is something that's allowed to happen. Um, and yeah, that's all I've got really to say on it. Uh, that thread that I tweeted, um, it's not my thread, it's somebody else's, but it is well worth a read. Very eye-opening indeed. Um, and yeah, what more can you say? It's it's disgusting. Um and I'm not sure when it ends or how it ends, but there's going to be a lot more bad before good, I reckon. Um, so, yeah, strap in, I guess. The AFL are a disgrace. So, on to Norwich Brighton. That was not too much of a disgrace. By God, it was insipid, but we got what we needed and we move on. Um, and, you know, Albion were coming into this one looking to complete their first ever league double over Norwich since 1952. Almost exactly 50 years since we managed it last. Um, and this was a hell of a year to do it. 
we were visiting an almost dead and buried, totally buried Norwich side. Um, but it was never going to be easy because their home record was a lot better than their away. Um, and with Albion's dodgy away record still very much a thing, uh, having drawn five and lost three of our last eight, we would need some, you know, tidy finishing, uh, solid defending to get a win against the side fighting for their very lives. And it was a game widely thought of by Norwich fans as their very last chance saloon. Um, but this was a Canary side just ripe for being beaten. You know, they've scored the fewest goals this year at 25. Uh, I mean, you know, comfortably less than one per game. They've conceded the joint most at 60 goals this season, and they are bottom of the league and adrift for a reason. Um, and I thought yesterday was another Potter away day uh, masterclass. You know, he has now gone to Leicester, Wolves, Sheffield United at their height, and a desperate, vicious Norwich, and remained totally unbeaten. Um, like I've said before in previous shows... Uh, I believe he is truly beginning to mould this team into a Hutton defensive prowess of the past. Uh, he's bringing that back. And the Potter attacking player of what is no doubt the future of the Albion. Um, once again, we were happy to cede possession to the home team. We ended the day with just 42% of the possession. Uh, but once again, the Albion did so much more with the ball. Uh, albeit this game was not one for the neutrals, uh, I think anybody watching it from the outside was just bored stiff at the way this game was played. Um, it was the type of game Albion, especially, uh, and you, you know, you Albion fans will know historically under Chris Hutton, or just generally in the last 10 years it feels like, uh, when Albion were going away from home, especially in such a must-win game, we ended up losing them 2-0 or worse. Um, this time, not so much. We allowed them to remain toothless in possession. They played mostly in their own half with the intention of hitting them on the counter when they opened up. Um, and, you know, it, it shows just how ineffective Norwich were and how much we allowed them to be that way. Uh, Norwich played 506 completed passes yesterday. Only 103 were in the final third. Compare that to us. Uh, you know, we went from dominating possession in the earlier in the season we played 345 passes yesterday and 76 of them were in the final third you know it it once again it shows a very clear game plan from potter uh allow the home team to have the ball take it off them as and when you can and high up the pitch if possible and attack quickly and without mercy couple of other interesting numbers for the game to show this game plan. Uh, Albion had 13 successful interceptions, all within the middle third or higher, to Norwich's three, and seven blocks to their three. We were proactive, we were solid in our defending, we were, you know, we made an effort to go on the attack, as opposed to previous away days like this in the past, um, and, you know, we made an effort to get the ball forward and play in their final third. Um, I thought it was very good, albeit very uninspiring um but when you think back like i said to previous games that have had this kind of shadow hanging over them this was a much better performance than the last couple because um, you know if you look back at the last two for example must win games like this uh we lost 5-0 against bournemouth on our own place and when we got beat by cardiff 2-0 at theirs so the fact that we did it um just shows a real growth in the side um so looking at the flashpoints of the game, um, very few of them, let's be honest. Uh, the game was tight, rigid, rather insipid for long stretches. Albion were happy to sit back, soak up poor attack after poor attack. Um, you know, Norwich didn't even start. 
Cantwell or Pookie. Uh, I thought Potter's starting formation was excellent. The only one that worried me was Aaron Moy um, playing out on that right-hand side. It feels like we are lacking a right winger that we feel comfortable with right now. Um, so we're playing a lot of central midfielders there and seeing which one pays off. That's pretty scary to me. Um, but I thought for like you know for the most part he got it right, and after looking at the result, he got it spot on. Um, the goal, uh, you know, twenty five minutes in, the game was tough. First fifteen minutes, we were nowhere near the better team. Um, it was pretty worrying, um, and. 25 minutes in, we won the ball high up, pass out to Moy, took a couple of touches down the wing, saw a ghost, ghost in Leandro Trossard, um, and lays a gorgeous pass to him for him to just stroke past Krull. Uh, left the defenders utterly bewildered as to where he came from, and that's 2-2 two two now for Leandro versus Norwich, um, and he is now rivaling own goal for second top scorer. So well done, Leandro Trossard. Uh, he's had a tough season. He's played in just about every attacking position there is on the pitch. Uh, he has been asked to grow a lot defensively, um, and I thought he's done excellently, uh, and he's well worth those goals so far this season. And I think next year he could become a real second-season sensation. I think he could be a real, real threat. Um, two more flashpoints, really, and one of them's the subs. Um, and the reason I say it is because they were so well done by Potter. Um, I've heard in the past people say, you know, is Potter, is is the reaction to Potter's sub so good because he got his starting 11 wrong? Um, but I think he got both right today or yesterday. Uh, I think he nailed the starting 11 and I think he nailed the subs at the right time. Um, he came on, he defended the lead and did it effectively. They changed formation twice. What flexibility you know, we didn't have that flexibility in recent years. Um, we went from a 4-4-2, which we played for the first 60-odd minutes. Um, and then we brought on with, what, 16, like 25 minutes to go, we brought on Bernardo and Pascal Gross for Aaron Connolly and Aaron Moy. Um, pretty much the exact same thing we were hoping they would do the first time. Uh, and then we went three at the back, you know. Uh, Gross came in and replaced Moy like for like, and Connolly came off. Uh, and Bernardo came in at left wing back. So we had Lamptey move up to right wing back, Burn tuck in, Bernardo on the left hand side, and be able to just play that group in the middle pretty narrow with Molpe up top to kind of serve as an outlet. Um, and then, not, after, not only that, but after, you know, 10 minutes later, when we realized that Villa are making these changes and they come on, they did three substitutions and they were trying to spread themselves. Uh, as many people up front as possible. Um, we then went and made two more substitutions. We took off Leandro Trossard, we took off Bissouma, and we brought on McAllister, and we brought on Dale Stevens. We then played the final, you know, what, 20-odd minutes um, with pretty much a flat 4-2-2-2 formation, um, or rather 4-2-2-1-1, uh, and were very narrow indeed. And that was a narrow formation that I have pointed out in recent weeks that we tend to play against the big teams to hold on to a uh, defensive structure. And it worked pro perfectly. Um, we then moved to Proper and Stevens uh, in that kind of backline area. We then had Gross 
and McAllister. In that next two, we have Mopai up there as well. Um, and then you had kind of Bernardo just hanging around that left-hand side midfield and, and left-back role, uh, making sure that Burn could stay back. It was incredibly effective. It worked. And we went on to see out the, see out the game. Um, final flashpoint, however, was Ida hitting the post. I didn't see that coming. I'm sure you didn't see that coming. Um, and my heart was in my throat and in my ass at the same time. Um, I could not believe that he managed to get that header off and get it almost on target. And what an undeserved goal that would have been if he'd done it. Um, you know, I couldn't believe he beat him in the air. I couldn't believe it found its way trickling past Ryan. And part of me had my, uh, you know, flashbacks of David Stockdale and thinking that we were about to have it bounce off the post into Ryan's head and into the back of the net. Horrific. Just bad. Uh, but it didn't happen. We cleared the ball, and that was pretty much the end of the game. Big win. Uh, good scenes in the dressing room after. Very happy Albion players, knowing they are pretty much there. Uh, you know, there's a, there's still work to be done, and crazy stuff could happen, but 36 points now, uh, and looking at teams around us, we should be okay. Um, but let's look at the uh, player facts first. Let's go off the... I want to look at the player side before we look at the teams around us and go on further. Uh, Ali Reza Yahambach was not in the squad again. Ruh -roh. Um I got my thoughts totally wrong. Uh, I thought that he would be in the starting 11, if not the squad this time for sure, not to be. Um, I now think that on second thought... Um, it's pretty clear that he probably isn't going to be here next season. I think it's a crying shame, honestly. I think he has improved tenfold under Potter. Um, I think it's a real big shame that he isn't going to play anymore. Um, or at least, you know, stay with us in the summer by the likes of it. Although now it's the summer. It's strange. I keep saying it and I don't. It's just weird. But Alarese Ambach, not in the squad. If he isn't able to make the squad against Norwich City, when is he going to? Very worrying for him and his future. Uh, not sure how we will be able to kind of see him in the squad again going forward. It just looks like his time at the Albion is unfortunately up. And what a uh, what a letdown um, for such a lot of money. So I have uh, three players really to talk about um, that I thought did incredibly well yesterday. Uh, kind of my top three performances. Um, Leandro Trossard, much better today. Uh, one shot, one goal, one key pass. Uh, did his job much better at the back. Uh, I thought he played pretty well in that midfield. Uh, in like a, it was funny they played as a four-four-two, um, but he definitely was a very attacking left winger when uh, when the time called for it. Um, thought he was very good. Uh, he protected Burn a lot, and he needed it um, much better from Trossard. You could see him growing. Um, like I said, he's been playing in a lot of positions so far this season. He's been asked to do a lot of work. Um, you know, left mid, right mid, left wing, right wing, central midfielder, number 10, striker at times. Um, no wonder he's had a kind of less impactful season than you would hope. Um, but I think he did incredibly well. And I think, you know, you're going to see a second season from him that is going to continue to grow on what he's already doing. Very much so. Uh, the other one that I want to talk about is Aaron Moy. Um, when he was in the team sheet, I was cool with it. You know, he's he's a player that has been bloody awful since we signed him on a permanent. Uh, but 
you know, I'm always there for him to play, especially against teams um, in the lower half of the table. He tends to do better. Um, but I thought he was excellent today. Uh, or yesterday, rather. First 15 minutes scared me to death because Lamptey looked incredibly isolated. Um, Moy didn't look very quick to get back, but he adapted very quickly and was happier to sit a little further back. Um, he came away with, you know... He was a monster all over the pitch, really, attacking-wise. Um, he had an assist, of course, for the goal, which was beautiful. Um, he made 11 out of 16 final third passes. He was joint first in the Albion squad for that. Uh, so he was a focal point in the attack. Uh, he created three chances with three key passes. That was joint first. Uh, he had three accurate crosses into the box. That is first for the team. Um, two out of three successful take-ons. That is joint second for the team. And two interceptions. So defensively, he was doing his job higher up the pitch as well. Joint second as well. Um, the boy was all over it. And he caused them no end of problems on that right-hand side uh, with no pace. And it's just a testament to the good partnership that him and Lamptey were able to create. Um, and I thought he did incredibly well. He also even made a block, um, also worth noting, uh, from Hernandez um, that was probably going in because of a the amount of bodies in front of Ryan uh, and it was going on target. Um, Moy was the man there to block that goal. Um, again, excellent performance from Aaron Moy yesterday. Uh, saw a lot to like. Man of the match for me and the Albion, actually. His second man of the match now in three games, Terry Lamptey. My goodness, what a sign-in this was. Won five fouls. That's joint. That's number one in the entire team. He won five fouls yesterday at right back. He had two successful take-ons, joint first. Uh, he had a key pass at right back and caused the opposition just total nightmares. Um, how did we sign this man for £3 million? He is just an unbelievable signing. I just I don't understand how... You know, I was watching yesterday the Chelsea game and, and it blows my mind that they have Reese James at right back and just allowed Lamptey to leave so easily. Um, you know, it's not that he wasn't good. Like, Reese James, I'm a fan of Reese James, but he's just a beast. Um, you know, so far at Brighton, Lamptey has averaged uh, a touch less than every two minutes. Very involved indeed. Uh, pressure every six minutes. Um, successful dribble every 17 minutes. Uh, a block and an interception every 28. The boy is just all over the place, you know? It is just outrageous. And he was able to, you know, when you are able to curtail and hem in Jamie Vardy, um, who is rapid, and you're able to take care of him one-on-one, -on -one, no problem, um, you are a, you have a br very bright, bright future. Um, and I'm very, very happy with that signing. Uh, I think he is a comfortable number one right back for the foreseeable future before someone much bigger than us takes him off us. Um, and what a signing. Uh, I think he is one spot that we don't even have to begin to think about uh, upgrading this summer or this transfer window whenever the hell it actually happens. Um, much like our centre-back position, it is as nailed on as it gets. So excellent stuff. Um, keep on going. I think he'll probably start most games now for the rest of the season. Uh, and, you know, pff, hard not to love it. Um, I'm intrigued to see how he does against Liverpool if he plays, but we shall see. Um, teams around us, however, continue their not-so-good uh, weekends. 
or rather just restarts. Um, yesterday, Norwich got beat by us, obviously. Uh, Bournemouth, although they really gave it a good go, um, still let in five against Manchester United and went on to lose 5-2. Uh, Chelsea hammered Watford 3-0. And then today, uh, Newcastle picked up a solitary point um, against West Ham. So West Ham made a made one-point gain. Uh, and Liverpool um, went on to just beat Villa pretty handily here. Um, and, you know... 2-0, I think it was at the end there, I just saw. Um, and again, it's it's the perfect weekend for us. Um, at this point, we are now five games away from the end of the season. Um, and we are left with a situation where Villa and Bournemouth, the bottom two, are now nine points behind us with almost 20 goal difference worse. Um, I know that we have Manchester City and Liverpool up next. And... Even if we lost them both 5 0, we're still ahead of Liverpool. Uh, we're still ahead of Aston Villa and Bournemouth by seven or eight goals, you know? Um, it's not a thing that I think is too likely to happen at this point. Um, it now means Villa and Bournemouth need to win three and draw, four, draw one of their last five games. Um, they need 10 points from their last five. Uh, and where do they come from? Um, Aston Villa, their final five games, uh, Manchester United, can't see them taking anything from that game because they are very good indeed at the minute. Uh, then they have a middle three that are slightly more doable. Uh, they have Crystal Palace, Everton and Arsenal, um, and then West Ham to end the season. So you've got to think that out of the two teams, this one is the most likely to hit their 10 points um, with possible wins against Palace, Everton and West Ham. And then a draw against Arsenal, that would see them on 10 points and above us. Um, that also is providing we score zero points for the rest of the season. We get beat five more times, which again is not likely um, because we have become a very defensively solid outfit. And I think we can, you know, at least steal a draw or two, even if we're terrible for the rest of the season. Um, so that leaves Villa with a lot to do um, and Bournemouth with even more. Um, their fixture list is even worse and their form is even worse. Um, they are in a horrible spot. Uh, they are left with 10 points to gain uh, from Tottenham, Leicester, Manchester City, Southampton and Everton. Um, even being as generous as possible, I can't find any more than six points in that group of five uh, with them possibly beating Southampton and Everton at the end of the season as they have nothing to play for. Um they're not going to take points off of Tottenham, Leicester, and Man City, I don't think. Um, which means that they are now almost as close to officially uh, cut off as possible. By this time next week, um, you know, once we hit that kind of the the twelfth, the end of the twelfth uh, of July, we'll have a much better idea uh, because two of those games will already have been played, and there's only nine points left to play for. If they lose both of those, uh, they're done. They're not catching us. That's it. They're done. Uh, likewise for Villa. They have two games this week, just like us. Um, and those games, they have to win them both or at least make inroads to win in some to catch us up. Uh, and those are, of course, Manchester United um, and then Crystal Palace at home on the weekend. They have a lot of work to do. Very good news for us, of course. Next up, though, is Liverpool for us. Um, this week is pretty much what I would consider a free hit week. Uh, we have Liverpool at home and then Manchester City visiting the Saturday after. Brutal. Um, but their away form is not all that impressive lately. Um, you know, they are not a team 
that are killing it away from home. Um, if we had to play them at any point, now would be a good time to do it. Um, but, you know, they're also a side that aren't scoring a crap ton of goals away from home. Of course, that's still good. You know, even if it was just an away away from home table, they would be top of it um, comfortably. Uh, they've played 16, won 12, drawn 2, lost 2. Uh, but their goals for is significantly less than their home record. Uh, they've scored 46 goals at Anfield and only 26 away from home. Um, this is a team that in recent weeks, their away form has not been the best. Uh, they have took one point from their last three uh, with a defeat to Watford, a draw with Everton, and a defeat uh, away against Man City. Um, horrible record, actually. Uh, and, you know, as a team that have just won the title and made hard work of the game against Villa, um, if we can steal a point, it would be huge. Um, I don't think it will happen. I think we'll get beat. But the fact is, this is a good time to play Liverpool. Uh, they've just carried on their unbeaten home record, uh, which is something they're clearly chasing. And they've already won the league and they're champions. Um, just how much concentration do they have to be able to put, you know, I can't see them beating us by beating us by five or six, which is what they'll need to do to put us in big trouble goal difference wise for the Manchester City game. So uh, next episode um, is going to be rolling out uh, around this time next week. Um, I will be doing a double bill of the Manchester City Liverpool game because I'm actually moving house this week. Uh, ideal time for it. I know not. Um, yep, so I will be moving on the Wednesday and the Thursday, uh, and I will be watching the Liverpool game on my phone, and then I will be able to start recording my next episode on the 12th, um, and probably re be releasing, uh, next Monday the 13th, doing a double header, uh, and covering all the fallout from the games around us, um, and we could very well be talking about a mathematically safe Brighton and Hove Albion uh, by this time next week. So I shall see you all next week. Uh, pray for me because moving is hard and crap. So I shall see you all next time. Uh, have a good one and be safe.